and welcome to the Day Health Strategies podcast, Unlocking Accountable Care, the healthcare podcast where we talk everything value-based care with the top experts in the field. Welcome to another episode of Unlocking Accountable Care. This is your host, Sarah Bliss-Matusik. I'm a senior consultant with Day Health Strategies, and I'm sitting down today with Lizette Roman, who is a consultant also at Day Health Strategies. Today, we're going to be talking about partnerships between accountable care organizations or ACOs and community-based organizations or CBOs. Sometimes um, folks call them that. And these groups together are serving patients with both medical and social needs. So many state Medicaid programs like Massachusetts are encouraging ACOs or other um, you know, risk-bearing provider organizations to formalize their relationships with community partners. And this is really a critical step in improving the integration of physical health with things like behavioral health, with long-term services and supports needs, and with what we call health-related social needs. Um, and some, some folks consider that to be social determinants of health. Right. And just, Sarah, a quick note on terminology here. So throughout this episode, we'll refer to these um, CBOs as community partners. That's capital C, capital P community partners, um, as that's how they're referred to in the Massachusetts uh, Medicaid program. So these are community-based organizations with um, pretty specific care management responsibilities. Um, you know, as you started uh, talking about here in Massachusetts, the state procured over 25 of these these community partners to deliver um, either behavioral health or long-term services and supports to Medicaid ACO patients. So today, we'll focus on community partners that are specifically designated as behavioral health community partners. Um, and we're going to do that for a few reasons. Um, first, uh, we had the chance to sit down with Mary Takash, who's a senior policy advisor to Boston Healthcare for the Homeless Program. Um, who is one of the MassHealth Behavioral Health Community Partners. Um, And we're pretty eager to share that conversation with our listeners. Um, So that's what's coming. So another reason why we want to focus on the Behavioral Health Community Partners is the type of patients eligible to receive supports from these partners are the ACO's highest need and costliest. Um, So those with serious mental illness um, or substance use disorders or both. In another episode of Unlocking Accountable Care, uh, we heard from Dr. John Sargent, who's a psychiatry consultant to an ACO here in Massachusetts, and he talked to us a little bit about how ACOs are supporting patients with, you know, kind of mild to moderate behavioral health issues actually in primary care in their PCP's office. And the patients from this mild to moderate category who rise in risk, those are the patients that are eligible for supports from a behavioral health community partner. And frankly, if ACOs can't improve outcomes while containing costs of providing care and care management for these patients, they're they're going to fail, you know, financially speaking. Right. So these behavioral health community partners are really critical to ACOs success here. And the ACOs are counting on these providers to improve outcomes for this very high need population. So to do that, the community partners have a lot of responsibilities for these patients. A few of them that we can call out here are they have to coordinate services across the continuum of care. They need to support 
uh, transitions in care. Think about a patient being discharged from a detox facility, for example, and you know coordinating the care from that facility to some other place or to home and making sure they have everything they need. Uh, they also have to do things like providing health and wellness coaching, uh, facilitating access to different types of social services, um, uh, giving referrals to different social services, which of course means that they need to know which ones are available and have relationships with places that can um, give those things to their patients. Um, they also need to make sure that patients' list of med medications are up to date. Um, and there, there's really a lot more. That's just a small list of things that they're that they're doing, um, which is you know really helpful to the ACOs because they can offload some of this work um, that is really critical for you know, both keeping people healthy and decreasing the total cost of care, keeping folks out of really high cost facilities, for example. Um, but it is a ton of work. Um, so let's hear about how one particular behavioral health community partner, um, Boston Coordinated Care Hub, is delivering all these types of services for ACO patients. All right. Well, let me introduce Mary Takeash to our audience. Mary is a senior health policy advisor at the Boston Healthcare for the Homeless program and is a nationally recognized expert on state primary care delivery system reform that advances medical homes, accountable care organizations, and other value-based payment models to promote high-quality, cost-efficient, patient-centered care for vulnerable populations. Um, and she's here today to talk to us about Boston Coordinated Care Hub, one of the community partners selected by the Massachusetts Medicaid ACO program, which formed out of Boston Healthcare for the Homeless. Mary, we're so pleased to talk to you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I'm thinking that to start, um, it would be really helpful for our listeners to hear about how you got here today. So what does your professional journey look like? I began my professional journey having two strong interests in, in health and in policy and politics. And so I began with a career as a registered nurse. I graduated from Northeastern University here in Boston as a registered nurse and began working in Washington, D.C., doing hospital-based nursing, emergency department work. Uh, and then being in D.C. offered some uh, great opportunities. There was Capitol Hill. So I was a nurse at, um, at the hospital. I would intern for a congressman on Capitol Hill. And then I decided that that was something really interesting. And so I enrolled into public health school. I commuted to Baltimore, got my MPH at Johns Hopkins, and then got a job full-time working for that congressman as his health policy um, legislative assistant on the Hill and, and managing other policies. So that set that in motion. Um, my, my husband and I eventually relocated our family back up to Maine, and then I was presented with uh, another opportunity to work at a nonprofit that's a national organization that's based in Portland, Maine, of all places, and um, that's the National Academy for State Health Policy. And there I focused on Medicaid reform, primarily primary care reform, and helping states figure out how to support primary care providers in the, the new value-based purchasing models. Worked on that for many, many years. And, and then it was time to shift again, and um, really liked the idea of being closer to where policy is unfolded on the ground. And then this wonderful opportunity opened up here in Boston at Boston Healthcare for the Homeless. And I joined here three years ago, 
and um, it has been a wonderful way to marry policy and and healthcare, and actually see some of the benefits of where policy can actually make a difference in people's lives. It, it's been a it's been a wonderful pivot in my career. Wonderful. Well, it also makes you a wonderful guest for us to have in this podcast. So, again, really, really glad to have you. Um, and, you know, to, to kick off our topic for today, can you tell us a little bit about Boston Coordinated Care Hub, Boston Healthcare for the Homeless, the distinction between the two um, for our listeners, and what does it really mean to be a community partner in the Massachusetts Medicaid ACO program? Yeah, sure. Well, first, Boston Healthcare for the Homeless program began in 1985 through a grant by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and the Pew Charitable Trust. And so now, 33 years later, we're providing health care to more than 11,000 men, women, and children every year, making us one of the largest programs of its kind in the country. With regard to the Medicaid ACOs, a program like ours that serves the most medically and socially complex hardest to reach and most expensive population, arguably in the entire country, does not fit neatly at all in a marketplace where primary care providers are being held accountable for the behaviors of their patients. But as a mass health provider, we're basically herded into ACOs. We're encouraged very strongly to sign up with an ACO and, and in order to be a primary care provider in Massachusetts. And and bill to Medicaid. And although MassHealth is really progressive in its efforts to risk adjust payments to account for medical and social complexity, those adjustments are really far from perfect. And as a matter of fact, at the end of nine months in the ACO, we know that these risk adjustments fall quite short of the mark. We're, we're struggling in this market is if you think about our practice, we're located right in the epicenter of the opioid epidemic, and this has resulted in a whole new layer of complexity and homelessness. And on top of all that, the Boston housing market is more expensive and tighter as ever before. So it's a brave new world for a program like ours to venture into this new Medicaid ACO marketplace. Um, we're, we're learning a whole lot. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks. That was really helpful. Um, so it does sound like Boston Healthcare for the Homeless has been around for a while. Um, so talk to us a little, bit, a little bit about what transforming the existing model here to meet the needs of this program has looked like. Um, I mean, so I, my own experience professionally, I spent a few years working in one of the um, area Boston-based hospitals, and I remember seeing people walking around, um, you know, the hallways wearing Boston Healthcare for the Homeless fleeces. Um, I knew that they were doing a lot of good work. Um, they were, you know, in the halls, they were outside the emergency department room, but I never really knew, like, what are these folks on the ground doing? So what do those folks on the ground do for patients, and how is that work different um, when that patient is a, a Medicaid ACO patient. So MassHealth, in designing the ACOs, anticipated that ACOs might want to build capacity internally to care for their assigned population rather than buy services from existing community providers. Because we certainly have seen that in other 
marketplaces across the country. So a pro for a program like ours to be successful in the ACO world, we needed to think outside the box. So about six or seven years ago, we formed a consortium with nine other homeless service providers in Boston to create something that ACOs could not build internally, but only purchase by contracting with us. We got support from several state grants, and then we were beginning to be able to formalize legal partnerships in order to share data across our diverse sectors. This is the way that we've been involving. How can we integrate our care with some of our partners that we've been working with over the years? So we were also able to leverage the City of Boston's HMIS, Homeless Management Information Services, warehouse to develop a data platform to communicate health, behavioral health, housing and social service data so that we could integrate care for a consented group of shared patients. We tested this out with a pilot that we received from the Health Policy Commission to see whether or not coordinating care and working with our partners and using this data hub can actually improve outcomes for a group of high-risk patients. So this consortium became our training wheels to get ready for the ACO world, and now that's what's become the Boston Coordinated Care Pub. Excuse me. This consortium now has evolved to become the Boston Coordinated Care Hub. So that's one part of how we are evolving and, and keeping up with the changing healthcare system. Uh, another thing, we have with our partners, we were able to expand our footprint across Boston. And over the years, you know, we have built trust with these people that we are being asked to coordinate care for in the community partner program. So these are clients with serious mental illness and substance use disorder. Clients will want to engage with people and programs they know rather than someone they don't know calling them from the AC or managed care plan. And our engagement rates already showed that. All right, great. So so expanding on what you just said, mentioned, you were mentioning working with different partners, expanding your reach across Boston. So help us understand, how does the community partner work intersect with other homeless service providers, whether that's you know shelters and housing programs or outreach? Um, where, does worry, where does your work end and theirs begin? Um, I think that will help our listeners understand what is a community partner um, in the MassHealth ACO sense. Well, that's the beauty of our consortium. We're working across the continuum. We have partners that include behavioral health, social service, primary care, housing, so that we're able to collaborate better on patient care. I mean, our population is really complicated. It often takes multiple organizations working together to help make a, a difference in a person's life. All right, great. So based on our experience working with a wide range of ACOs and providers, um, from our perspective, most organizations are actually far behind where you are in incorporating social de determinants of health data into the medical record or care management record, um, any sort of uh, health IT system. So where would you recommend that they start, those folks who are still a little bit behind, um, to get to a place where they are truly integrating this critical information um, in an effective way into the record and you know what are all the ways this can add value um, to an organization let me start with your last question the value add for an organization to integrate SDH data into the medical record is to build a fuller picture a more complete story about the potential obstacles to help facing a patient 
at Boston Healthcare for the Homeless, we have been very good at collecting detailed housing data over the years. For instance, at each visit, we ask patients where they are staying. And if a provider knows that a patient is staying on the street or in a shelter, he or she might pre prescribe a, a medication that doesn't need to be refrigerated, for instance. But although we've been really good at collecting housing data, we've been inconsistent about collecting other SDH data and then integrating that data into our EHR. With the new marketplace, this all changes. MassHealth requires that ACOs and MCOs have their providers screen patients for SDH. So we should be seeing a significant uptick in SDH data collection across the country. We all have a long way to go, but this is a good direction. Absolutely. That's that's really exciting. Um, and, you know, speaking of data and, um, you know, setting up, setting yourself up to be successful, um, could you give us a maybe a kind of a specific example that demonstrates how your organization's approach to data and measuring success is working? Yeah, sure. So we're one of 27 community partners in Massachusetts. We are strong on outreach and engaging patients. Our rate of getting patients to say yes, they want to work with us, is over 60%, which is quite high comparatively. So just imagine that, a community partner with primarily homeless patients leading the pack. That's because we have several data streams that support our work across the hub to let staff know where their patients are. If you think about it, our care management staff cannot show up at a home or connect by phone reliably because A, our patients often are not housed, and B, they often do not have phones or have run out of minutes. So we are dependent on three major data streams. The first is our electronic health record. Because we are one of few community partners that are also a primary care practice, we have access to our electronic medical record, EPIC, which pulls data daily into our data warehouse so that care management staff can see. This can let us know if a newly assigned patient has an upcoming appointment so that we can go and try to make that face-to-face -face connection with the patient while they might be sitting in a waiting room. Two, we have access to housing data. Because of our unique partnership with the city of Boston, our hub staff can go into the data warehouse and actually look at the shelter census and see where patients are staying each night so that they can then go find the patient at the shelter or talk to shelter staff about where to find patients. And three, we have access to ADT data, so that's emission, discharge, and transfer data. We subscribe to a notification system called PreManage that sends text or email messages to care management staff in a real-time manner when their patients have been admitted to an ED or hospital. That's been a, a pivotal piece of information in helping us go out and engage people, particularly when they're in crisis, in order for them to think about being enrolled in a care management program like community partners. Thank you. Um, so I guess, you know, maybe for a kind of a wrap-up question, um, ask you to do a little forward thinking. So, you know, what does success for Boston Healthcare for the Homeless as a community partner look like over the next, you know, few years of the MassHealth Medicaid ACO program? Success would be that clients that are presenting with very significant physical and behavioral health needs get the support they need to help them achieve goals that are important to them. These goals might be health, they might be housing, sobriety, independence, 
it's what matters to them. And that's one of the things I really like about the community partner program. We're working on client-centered goals, not necessarily the goals that providers think are important. Sometimes these goals are the same, but they're not always. We often need to meet basic social determinant of health goals in order to build trust to engage patient in physical and behavioral health care. So those goals may come first. In five years, I hope we will have developed a system of care that is more patient-centered and coordinated, streamlined, and efficient. It's a very short time to realign a largely dysfunctional system, but I do believe this is the right path. Great. Just want to thank you, Mary, for your time today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay, Lizette, that was a really great interview. Um, But what do you think about Mary's point, one of the first ones that she made, about the ACO model being a challenging marketplace for a community partner that's exclusively focused specifically on the homeless population? Yeah, yes, I'm, I'm so glad that's what stood out to you. Here's the thing. It's true that this is a challenging marketplace for community partners in general. I mean, this Medicaid ACO demonstration project is just that. It's an opportunity to demonstrate that the care they're providing is truly improving health and impacting outcomes for these ACO patients. I mean, otherwise, at the end of the project, the ACOs, frankly, are are likely to pull these services in-house instead of engaging with a community partner to provide these services for their patients. I mean, as they see it, why pay a community partner and assume all the administrative and contract management effort um, to do the work if they're not delivering results? So I really hear that that's one of the concerns for community partners. Um, You you know, it's also true that it's a challenging marketplace for community partners that focus on complex populations, just like Boston Coordinated Care Hub, Um, especially when we don't know what risk adjustment in the program looks like. Um, So, you know, in other words, if Boston Coordinated Care Hub reports performance on quality measures for the services they're providing to their population, who's all homeless, how will these measurements be adjusted so that they can be compared to another community partner who has only a fraction of their population struggling with these um, issues of housing stability? Yeah, those are both really good points. The good news for Boston Coordinated Care Hub, I think, is that it sounds like they'll have all the data that they need to demonstrate how effective they've been as a community partner at the end of the demonstration project. I'm thinking of things that Mary talked about, like they have EHR data, they've got shelter census data, they have um, ADT data, that's admissions, discharge, transfer data from hospitals and other facilities. Um, Very few community partners that we've actually spoken to have such a robust, robust data-driven model that they're using. Um, and uh, But that said, I do think that we'll start seeing smarter data-driven approaches um, to social determinants of health across the health system as people get better and better at this. Um, as value-based contracts open up providers uh, to reimburse for things that are not previously or traditionally covered, we'll see more investment in things like social services. So that's really exciting. Um, so that ends our show for today. Um, Thanks everyone for listening and we look forward to the next edition of Unlocking Accountable Care. Have a great day. If you are interested in learning more about accountable care or how organizations can succeed in today's healthcare system, 
please visit our website, www.dayhealthstrategies.com, check out our blog, follow us on Twitter, and join our mailing list. We regularly post content relevant to current healthcare issues and overcoming challenges in delivering value-based care. Unlocking Accountable Care is a production of Day Health Strategies. Direction and editing by Max Blumenthal. Additional support and research by Emily Eibel and Nico Lehman. Our producer is Rosemary Day. Special thanks to Purple Planet Music for the use of their songs.